0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Johnny Christ, and this is the Drinks with Johnny podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking out this very special season two finale episode. That's right. We're going to take a little bit of a breather from your regularly scheduled program throughout the holidays. We'll be back in February of 2021 uh, with more of the great conversations with new guests. Um, In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening from. I'm going to bring you guys some of the earlier episodes from the live YouTube series that we did earlier on in this year. I'm going to uh, give you guys some new updates, new news, and a little bit of insight into what was going on in some of those conversations. So you're not going to want to miss that throughout the weeks that we're uh, taking a little bit of breather. Um, Also, make sure you head over to the YouTube channel. We're going to continue some new content over there too. It's just not going to be with new guests as uh, we were doing each and every week before so make sure you're subscribed to youtube over there and today marks the week of black friday sales at drinkswithjohnny.com that's right got a lot of new merch over there as well as some new deals bundles and just in time for the holidays a holiday sweater that's right with yours truly right there on the cover <laughs> go over to drinks with johnny and check that out sign up for the newsletter i'm going to keep that thing going too each and every week with a new email newsletter written by yours truly. So make sure you're heading over there. Leave us some comments some reviews right here on the podcast, as well as heading over to Drinks with Johnny on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're going to continue a lot of content on those as well to keep you guys going through the holidays. So make sure you're following us there as well. Now on this week's episode, this is an easy finale, as I said, I have a very special guest, Joe Maganello. Such a great dude and such a great uh, honor to have him on the show. Um, he really put a bow on it for us here um, which I really appreciate and congratulations to Joe and his wife Sophia Vergara on their 5th anniversary they just celebrated yesterday so congratulations to you guys both we get into his new movie Arch Enemy it's coming out December 11th make sure you uh, check out uh, wherever that is gonna be um, if it's coming to a theater new year or if it's gonna be streamed whatever it is I'm not really sure at this point to be honest but uh, yeah it's a great movie. The trailer looks amazing. Um he has uh put a lot into this and I really like the premise. I think you guys are going to dig it too. So make sure you go check that out on December 11th. In the meantime, check out the trailer. You can find that on YouTube and see if you're into it. We talk about a lot of other things too, obviously. We get back into more of his acting career, the music he's into. Um I mean even his high school days. We go back to it all. It's been a lot of it was a lot of fun chatting with him. So uh, I'll just cut, cut this short and talk to you at the end uh, and bring it to you. Without further ado, I bring you Joe Maganello. What's up, everybody? I am Johnny Christ, and this is Drinks With Johnny. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I'm having an absolute fucking blast doing this. I'm feeling better every day by starting off with Sweet Drop. That's right, CBD oil that you can get by going to SweetDrop.com and using promo code Johnny. You're gonna get 20% off. You know, there's a lot of things out there about CBD oil. I just know that this one makes me feel good, so I'm going to start off the show as I do every show with a little bit of Sweet Drop, under the tongue. So head over to SweetDrop.com, use that promo code. And uh, this week, I'm super psyched. I've got a really rad guest um, to talk about his new movie, Arch Enemy, Joe Maganello. How are you doing today?
2: Great, man. How are you doing, Johnny?
0: I'm doing fantastic, man. <laughs> a lot better now. <laughs> so let's get it was- into it. Yeah, yeah, feel a lot better after that sweet drop. <laughs> so let's get into it, man. You got a new movie. You're going to play the role of Max Fist in Arch Enemy. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the trailer. It's not out just yet. That comes out, uh, uh, Was that, December 11th, I believe? December 11th,
2: yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, I can't wait for this movie, man. Um, it, looks ama- it looks amazing. What can you tell me about that?
2: What can I tell you about it? Um, what can I tell you about it that won't ruin it uh, <laughs> or take you down a certain path? I think there's, you know, I think a I think uh, there's a lot of people that are going to want to try to put this into a category. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this kind of a movie. It's that kind of a movie. It's that kind of a genre film. It's that. Um, and you have to throw all that away. Yeah. And I think, in fact, we've, uh, you know, we've been having a lot of fun messing with people because of it. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, for example, people want to say, oh, well, it's a superhero movie, right? Does it look like a superhero movie from the trailer? You know, not not really. It's, yeah. um, you know, if anything, it's, um, you know, basically I play a homeless man <laughs> who lives under a bridge. One of
0: the lines I really loved, one of the lines I really loved from the trailer was uh, that your only superpower was being able to drink a fifth of whiskey and not pay for it. Right. Yeah. Which is said (laughs) by a
2: bartender in one of these local, you know, shitty bars that uh, I sometimes surface into. But um, yeah, I live under a bridge. I'm a horrible, horrible alcoholic, drug addict. And to anyone who will listen to me for more than 30 seconds, I will then spin a tale uh, of how I believe that I came from a different dimension. Mm-hmm. And in that dimension, I was like the equivalent of Superman. I was this champion of the people, this superhero who was granted powers and and defended, and was the champion of this this other world. Yeah, uh, no one's belie- No
0: one's buying it though.
2: No one believes me except <laughs> for this one kid who's a video blogger, and he hears my story, and he you know buys me some drinks and starts uh, uh, following me around. Yeah. And it turns out that his sister's involved with this local drug organization. And, um, uh, my character kind of has, you know, a bit of a death wish, I guess. and, And to prove his loyalty or, uh, to show his appreciation for the friendship of this kid, he uh, he goes on this mass killing spree to kill all the drug dealers uh, <laughs> for for to, to free this kid and his sister, and that's kind of like where we where we take off.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it, you, you don't want to give too much away, but like we yep. don't we never find out from the trailer. Where I guess we're just gonna have to go watch Arch Enemy in a uh, December eleventh. Yep. That uh, you, if if you're actual a superhero or not, are you just a badass, or are you actually this guy from another planet or different dimension? Like, we, we and, have to watch the movie to find that out, right?
2: Yeah, the schizophrenic homeless drug addict. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, 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 is, or is he telling the truth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so whether it's a superhero movie or not um, it is kind of not, not the point. You know, mm. it's really, you know, I was heavily influenced growing up by, I was a big comic book reader growing up, and there was Marvel and there was DC and what happened when I was growing up in the eighties, there were a lot of independents that then came to prominence and there were uh, like, you know, you had, but then you also had people like Frank Miller, Chris Claremont mm-hmm. guys that really took, you know, for the major companies created the stories like, you know, Wolverine in Japan, uh, which is really human. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then of course you have like, you know, Batman versus Superman, and you have the Dark Knight, and you have all of Frank Miller's bending of the genre. And yeah. this is one of those films that's really our attempt to bend the genre and make you know take an indie comic book and turn it into an indie film. Yeah,
0: I think it's a. I I, I had not heard of Arch Enemy before. I got to be honest until we were about to have this talk and have the uh, and the movie is coming out. Obviously, um, I. W- not familiar with the comic so how close to the comic there's no comic there is no comic
2: no no no. this is original it's, it's all original.
0: original so oh you're just trying to do what they've done in the comic world now, in the movie world i got you okay now now we're now we're following each other uh, <laughs> but let me ask you about the role specifically as max fist like you um i know that you you're not a drinker you're you're sober um and but you as you said you're a drug addict drinker max fist how do you get into that role like uh where's the inspiration
2: man you know i know what it was like so you know i guess there's a bit of uh a sense memory if you will um you know i did uh i met with uh i met with a guy who's been home who's homeless for 20 years mm. and uh he walked me through what a typical day was like And uh, he's actually somebody who was newly sober at the time. So a lot of the stories, and you know, they were very fresh in his mind. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, reminiscing with him about all the difficulties he went through uh, was, was, you know, was big for me as part of the research. And then also, uh, I had a meth coach on set i brought my own meth coach uh, who was there to yeah he basically, not not
0: method not method coaching you mean meth like methamphetamine right
2: correct <laughs> short, short <for> meth, <laughs> meth. <laughs> and my my meth coach you know he was there on set and his job was you know i would i would get done with the scene and i'd look over at him and go you know eh? and he'd go
0: hmm wow you know, and
2: or come over and we'd huddle up and he's like, yeah, 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 that was perfect. Keep that, da, 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 da you know, kind of tweaking. Wow. Tweaking my, my meth using in
0: the phone. <laughs> That's incredible. That's <laughs> rad, man. I mean, it's not rad that that guy knows that much about, about methamphetamine, but it's good that you had someone there that could teach you a little bit. <laughs>
2: Sure. No, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to keep it real for, for all my, all my meth heads out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what, that's what we do it all for is the meth heads out there, right?
2: Yeah, man. <laughs> Get it off for the meth heads. That's the new, uh, new song by Limp Bizkit.
0: Yeah. That, 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 one's coming out in, in, uh, 2021, I hear. So, uh, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Be on the lookout
0: for that. Now, you produced this movie too with, uh, Elijah Wood. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And what, I mean, uh, is this, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this one of your first producing of a of a movie too, or have you done a lot of that over the years?
2: This is number f- four, okay, professionally. I mean, I mean, not including all the f- movies that I produced and directed and wrote growing up. Mm-hmm. So that's how I how I got into acting when, as a kid was I made my own movies. I would write my own movies and go shoot them. And uh, but as a as a pro, no, I, I uh, first out of the gate was a documentary called La Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh about a uh, about a fifth at the time a fifty-five year old male stripper named Randy the Master Blaster. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he had been he had been stripping consecutively since nineteen seventy nine. Wow. Uh at the time we caught him, he was in his mid fifties and uh he was he lived with his mom, uh Mary Lou, who would uh who did who ran their stripper gram company from ten to six? Every oh, so day. she
0: was part of she was part of the team. Okay, she was
2: his, she was his dietitian, his biggest cheerleader. Ran the stripper gram company, and Randy was like the dude at like yeah. the he was the top build you know rooster at uh, at this club Le Bear in Dallas. And so we went. I went and shot this movie about him, and then all the other characters around him, and the club, and the club owner, kind of the history of it, Holy history shit. of male dancing in that area. And then there was uh, we uncovered this murder, and there was like talk of police corruption in the middle of it. So uh, oh. you know, it was yeah. So anyways, that was that was the first uh, film Le Bear, which I also directed. And then um, my movie Bottom of the Ninth came out a couple years ago in the theaters. Um, that uh, it's uh, about baseball a guy gets out of prison, uh, okay. and then uh, tries goes to prison at nineteen, gets out at like thirty eight. And then uh, winds up playing baseball in the minors and kind of him trying to put his life back together at the prison in the Bronx. Uh, So there's that. And then there's another movie that actually the third movie I produced was was a movie called Shoplifters of the World about the day the Smiths broke up. And that's going to come out, I believe, in March. Oh, cool. It actually comes out after Arch Enemy, but we shot it before.
0: Oh, okay, cool. That's awesome. So what, yeah. I mean, um, as you said, you produced and directed unprofessionally when you were a kid. What was like one of the first things you filmed as a kid? I'm just curious. As, like, like I like, was oh, a kid.
2: Uh, it was always you know mafia, martial arts, gunshots. I would we would make our own squibs with uh, <laughs> condoms filled with karo syrup and red food coloring. What and the fuck? Get out, like a cookie <laughs> tin. You put the cookie tin. You cut a little hole. Stick a firecracker through. Yeah. The whip stick it out. And then you'd have to roll the camera and then have somebody's hand come in the frame, hit the, light the wick and get the hand out. So boom, it would go. And, Whoa. You know, so, anyway. so yeah, we were, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we put soundtracks and graphics and stuff. So there's always stuff like that. Or um, I would do like mock commercials for bands that I liked that were playing in Pittsburgh. I'd do like like promo commercials, you know. Oh, that's for- rad. Whatever, you Did know. you ever do
0: a Goldfinger one? Because I know uh, our mutual friend John Feldman and you are are, are very tight. Was there ever? A yeah, Goldfinger no,
2: one? I, I I didn't do Goldfinger. I I actually I you know I didn't I learned about Goldfinger from hanging out with Feldy. Okay. Um and uh and then you know I he actually asked, asked me to come out on tour with him. So I, I, I toured around New Zealand, Australia, Hawaii, and uh when and, was this? What year? I, what year was this? Probably, like maybe '05. Okay. Yeah, probably like <laughs> 05, somewhere in there. Did you guys, so
0: did you guys have any, you have any fond memories or stories of that of that that you can share that uh, are aren't too taboo? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're having to think about it. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, I was the only single guy on tour. They were all married, so mm. you know so anyway you know uh then so none of those stories uh i am try to think um no it would be so john you know john's an interesting cat man um and when we were on tour john has a lot of interests in in different directions that people might not know and you know he's a really big in into animal activism yes and uh when we were in Melbourne Australia John called me up and said hey do you want to go rescue some chickens
0: <laughs> uh, this yeah. is a was this a story that you gave on my episode with him is that the the, the, the yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah exactly so yeah I mean um so basically for people that don't know um, yeah. there was a KFC facility like two hours outside of Uh, Melbourne, Australia, and so at two in the morning, this van came and picked me up outside of my hotel, and we drove two hours out into the middle of of nowhere. Wow. And uh, put on these hazmat suits, broke into this KFC facility, and started uh, with pillowcases, and started getting all the blind and deformed chickens that couldn't reach the chicken feed, Mm. trying to get them out. Because what happens is they just die, and then the other chickens eat them, and then that goes into your chaos. I mean, it was kind of crazy. That's
0: disgusting. So anyway,
2: so there's some photo of me somewhere, of us in these hazmat suits, like, holding these chickens at four in the morning in yeah. the middle of this, you know, KFC facility. So that was uh, probably- The middle of crazy. nowhere
0: in Australia is kind of everywhere too. There's, like the cities are just kind of like spread out and then it's middle of nowhere yeah. everywhere else.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was crazy. So that's that's Feldy in a nutshell.
0: And how'd you guys get to be friends? You said you, you, you met John and you were, you were friends with him before even knowing Goldfinger or anything like that. How did you guys- Yeah, I have a
2: lot of friends who are musicians. And so one of my musician friends knew John- And was going over to his house to hang out and, um, you know, picked me up and was like, hey, you want to come hang out with my friend John? All right. And so I met John and then we became like fast friends, which is funny because John in high school hates jocks. He hated jocks. Like they hated jocks. And although I'm an artist for a living, I'm still a jock to John. So (laughs) there there was a bit of adjusting that had to happen uh, at the beginning. but, uh, But yeah.
0: Did you play ball in in, in school and stuff? Did, were you uh, were you a jock? I mean, now yes. now you now you're an artist, so it doesn't matter. But uh, as you said, no, but-
2: yeah, I'm an artiste. Uh, <laughs> no, but but I, I grew up. Yeah, I was the captain of the football team, the basketball team, and the volleyball team. Damn, that's impressive. Um, I mean, you know, six, five, 220 in high school. You know, I mean, it was, you know, yeah, so, five six, um, and I
0: could have all of all of me wasn't wasn't doing any of that oh <laughs> man.
2: There's dudes in the NFL that are your size. <laughs> yeah, they're faster
0: and stronger, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I played. You know, you know, what position I played in football? Offensive line. No kidding. Yeah, I did. And I, and I did, I, I won rookie of the year in my peewee team. <laughs> Dude.
2: <laughs> but, uh, Most yeah,
0: awesome. the rest of the rest, uh, once all the other kids caught up to my size, because I, I, yeah. I, I just, I just peaked a lot earlier than everyone else so once they got up to my size i was out of it <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah i was six five i stopped i stopped growing this way at 16 so wow i was six
0: five and 16. damn yeah like well, i guess i guess that would that would work for everything and being being in football and everything you you uh and you already said earlier you were doing mafia movies by yourself and stuff um is that, is that where you credit your first uh, stunt roles when you were blowing shit up for your mafia
2: movies? Stunt roles? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, doing all those. Because my friend was uh, multiple black belt martial arts growing up, so he would choreograph all the fight scenes. So we would do all the, yeah, I mean, you know, you had to do your own stunts, man. You had to do your own driving work. You had to, it was guerrilla shooting. You had to do everything.
0: Yeah. And are you, are you doing a lot of your own stunts on this uh, new movie as Max Vist?
2: Uh p- yeah, pretty much. I did most of them. I'm trying to think of stuff that I didn't do, but um Was yeah, that? pretty much. Um yeah, I mean, you know, that's so the thing is like growing up an athlete, you know, there's there's skill to being a stunt man. Mm-hmm. Um there is there's there's skill, there's practice. Um, but at the end of the day, if you have a modicum of, of, of athletic ability, then or you can learn choreography quickly or have a stunt man explain to you and practice with you what's going to happen whether that's a stunt or especially in like a fight or a knife fight or you know anything involving weapons or things like that like um those are all skills you can develop over the years and if you're athletic naturally like chances are
0: it helps out quite a bit yeah oh my
2: god it helps the film so much so i wind up doing most of my most of all of my stunts. I mean, general, I'm generally speaking, unless I'm going to die. And even then there's like, would you do it anyway? And then, you know, I <laughs> of course, you good. still,
0: could still consider those ones.
2: <laughs> yeah. I've done stuff that I've, I mean, I've, I've had to fight off the thought of what do you, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Why did you choose to do this with your life? Like there's, there's, <laughs> you know, like this could go really, really, really wrong. Like, that's
0: you're fucking crazy. awesome. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's happened a lot.
0: <laughs> I definitely got to hang with you in person then, because I, I got to see I got to see some of the side of the, side of that shit of you doing some crazy shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, hey man. So uh, listen, um, we're gonna you're gonna be in the back of this truck on the flatbed, mm-hmm. uh, which is this old model where the rim around the flatbed is only that high, not you know that yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. It's high around. So it's not really going to keep you in there, but you're going to be driving over this bumpy cow pasture, firing a machine gun out of the back. And then, the, and then they're going to fire the rocket. The truck's going to bank left hard. <laughs> and here's where the question comes in. Do you want us to strap you into the back of the truck or not? Because here's the thing. If you're not strapped in and that thing banks a hard left, you can pop right, right out up, of the truck yeah. or it hits a bump and you, you're going to fly right out. But if we strap you in and the truck banks a hard left, hits a bump and and flips, which it could very well do, uh, you're going to be tied in and you're going to get crushed under the truck. So what do you want?
0: (laughs) Either fly out or get crushed
2: by it. That's your fucking
0: options.
2: (laughs) Exactly. So that's like one of those situations that happens where you're like, all right, let's
0: not strap you in. So which did you end up doing? Did you get strapped in or not?
2: No, no straps, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just put my feet up right against that little you know, little rim and I'm
0: firing it out. And just... <laughs> That's fucking awesome.
2: I was all right. I had this. I had portos. My wife bought portos. So, you ever had portos? No. What the fuck is portos? It's like this Portuguese pastry shop over in Burbank, in mm. North, North Hollywood. So good, man. Anyway, it's a pastry. Yeah, she had a box of them. So That's fucking like, rad. So I'm staring, I'm talking to you, but I'm like staring at this pastry. Like,
0: <laughs> 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 we'll get in there, man. <laughs> a, eat it, but cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you need a, you need a couple more minutes on that?
2: No, I'm good.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> 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 All right, cool. Um, so, a, a couple other things I want to talk about. We we already talked about your uh, your football career. Um, and speaking of that, you got you're a big Steelers fan.
2: Yeah, big time. Yeah, big time.
0: All right, all right. My uh, my my, my uh, best friend is a uh, is a Steelers fan. Uh, Brian Sinister Gates is uh, actually a huge Steelers fan. I'm a huge Raiders fan, so we have those arguments. But I will say it's my second favorite AFC team. How about that?
2: Okay, fair enough. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I don't really have beef with the Raiders. Yeah, um, uh, especially we're on the, we're all on the same team after the the AB situation. yeah
0: no shit (laughs) that was gnarly I remember getting so excited for for him to come and then I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes I just we did yeah apparently you did
2: (laughs) we knew we're like let's get uh let's get out of here with that third round that third and that fifth round draft pick let's uh let's just get out of here
0: I mean as a Raiders fan I'm just kind of glad that it imploded so fast that we didn't actually have to pay him all that money that we were getting ready to pay him and that was insane yeah you're
2: yeah you're lucky man i mean uh yeah there's there's been a, a there's like a kind of a, a trail of dead that's that's followed that whole situation it's, yeah. it's sad it's, it's really, really sad. sad
0: it is really sad and that's the thing is it's like it's so sad and i wish nothing but the best for the guy as, as a human being but like damn that was gnarly to watch like that whole situation you know and now he's playing with brady again we'll see if he can bounce back but uh Last week yeah. didn't look too hot. <laughs> they, look, they did not look too good last week.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll
0: see. Another thing, though, uh, in relation to Pittsburgh, you're part of uh, the Children's Hospital uh, board member. Are you a board member still for that?
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: That's yep, cool. That, that That's cool. You're, so you're able to give back. What I mean, what does that mean? What does that uh, title actually mean? Or like, what kind of involvement do you have with the Children's Hospital?
2: Yeah, my involvement with the Board of Trustees... Uh, for Pittsburgh Children's Hospital has to do with uh, getting the word out for whatever new programs are coming up, because Pittsburgh uh, and, and the Children's Hospital is highly developmental in terms of new technologies. And, um, uh, you know, for example, a couple years ago, there was a thing called the telemedicine program that they created in which for the cost of uh, a, a camera cart, which is basically like a rolling cart with cameras on it that you roll into a patient's room, um, Pittsburgh Children's Hospital could monitor hotels or hospitals all around the world. Okay. And what was happening in these in these hospitals around the world, these children's hospitals, was they were having successful surgeries, but then they were losing great percentages of the children in in post-op care. Like they couldn't predict certain markers or certain things that were going to happen that Pittsburgh Children's knew or or could spot. And so they were, they started giving these carts to different hospitals so that Pittsburgh Children's could monitor their patients. And they lowered uh, child mortality rates post-op by, uh, in some cases, 60%. Wow.
0: That's incredible. So, you
2: know, it's about getting the word out, Mm -hmm. but then also fundraising in you know, because each one of those carts costs, cost like about $80,000. So it was about raising money and people that were going to help buy these carts to go into these hospitals and other countries and other cities. So that's kind of my, my job is raising money and, and getting the word out.
0: Yeah. And wow. then also
2: I go back and visit the kids. And like a few years ago, I, uh, I did, uh, I played hefty Smurf in the Smurfs movie. Mm. So we, I brought the Smurfs movie back to Pittsburgh children's and they actually sent hefty smurf to the hospital to to play with the kids. So. That's
0: super cool. I love yeah, I love cool. hearing stories like that. That's that's super cool. And they yeah. I'm sure they were all stoked. And you got blue hair right now. Let's talk about your hair. You I know, a man. Mohawk, man. Smurfy hair. <laughs> <laughs> Is that for a new role that you're that you're filming or what's going on? You just felt like you wanted a mohawk in un, under quarantine or
2: well, uh, I had a white mohawk for a role, and uh, upcoming, I have another role in which I'm going to shave my head bald and have the big goatee and okay. some tattoos and things like that. So, in between mohawk and bald, I can do whatever I want. I've got about a month where I can <laughs> just pack, do whatever I want with my hair before I shave it completely off, so... I just thought, all right, man. I like that blue. It's it looks good, man. You got, you got yeah. to keep, keep it as long as you can. It looks good. I know. I,
0: like, <laughs> I, I, like um, I haven't put up my ho- my mohawk in a long time. Uh, I haven't had any real reason to. So. <laughs> hey, well, yours was a lot longer. You yeah, lot longer. I had the I had the big ass one for a while. Yeah, you know, but yeah. you know, it doesn't it doesn't bode well to be a middle aged man with a mohawk walking around the the normal world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I
2: mean, hey, man, I'm, I'm making it happen, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic.
0: So we we uh, we talked about a little bit of musicians that you're friends with and stuff. What kind of music do you listen to, like uh, uh, on recreationally?
2: Well, I mean, growing up, I was into everything, and I mm-hmm. still say that I have tastes, wide ranging tastes. Um, with that said, I. My first concert was the second leg of vulgar display of power. Pantera, Sepultura, oh, Biohazard.
0: Fuck yes, that's rad. Yeah. That was <laughs> right. Biohazard and Sepultura too. Like that's that's a great lineup.
2: Yeah, Sepultura, Chaos AD, and then when Biohazard put out um, yeah that song, Punishment.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So they were right off of that, and um, and uh, and then you know Pantera was just their whole set was, was cowboys and vulgar play great records. So it's just like every yeah. song's like, you know, you're just losing your mind. And, um, so that was the first concert. I saw Pantera every single time they came through Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a great town for metal. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the big metal acts always, always come through. So I saw Pantera, Pantera then later on would tour with like white zombie who mm-hmm. I saw every show of, uh, I was big into industrial um you know uh what else um Metallica yeah um I walked down the aisle and got married to um uh, violin and cello players playing nothing else matters
0: whoa that's pretty fucking cool
2: so I kind of hit a Metallica song in my way everyone was like oh this song's so beautiful well, you know, I remember my mom walking my mom down the aisle this song's so beautiful what is it <laughs> yeah. the people so in the crowd were turning back you know as you walk down the aisle they turn back and they look at you and dudes were like
0: dudes, yeah throwing <laughs> yeah, up they, the sign <laughs> they,
2: they knew what it was you know so um, did your wife know what it was what's that
0: did your wife know what it was
2: she knew ahead of time because okay. you know we you know you plan all that stuff together and i was like hey uh, she actually got jealous because she's like that's amazing because it's it really it's a it's beautiful you know that these cello and violin mm-hmm. players that, that we hired you know they played it beautifully um but it says so much about me in this sneaky way yeah. And so she was like jealous that i had found this thing that i could translate into into kind of that version of that fit perfectly and also the words of the song are really that's a really romantic song that was you know that was the first time that metallica ever you know played a ballad um well yeah i mean
0: the the story from that i believe um and someone could correct me if i'm wrong later but uh that was a song that wasn't even supposed to be on the record like lars heard james playing it and was like dude we got to make that into a song like it wasn't even it wasn't even something that james was writing for metallica he was just Something that he was writing for himself. Never thought. Well, it to that point,
2: it's like you know, kill them all, puppets, lightning, yeah. you know justice. Like, I mean, the
0: softest thing before that, I guess, would be arguably one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe the beginning, or or like fade to black. Yeah, or, fade to black. Yeah. You know, but but other than that, like there's there's nothing yeah. you know soft and feely about. And like you said, one's probably the most you know introspective of all of those. Yeah, albums. absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I was in all of them. Um, Dan, you know, Danzig. You know, so we're talking like mid '90s. So we're talking like how the gods kill. Um, you know, I, I was you know nine inch nails for like around that time, first couple of albums, and and then it was like. like you know the old Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, like some of the heavier stuff that was coming down out of mm-hmm. Seattle. Um, but I was into God, and then um, you know Ministry.
0: Ministry, connect the goddamn dots. <laughs>
2: yeah, for sure, uh, Ministry. But then also like you know, so so it was like thrash, thrash metal uh and then that kind of and then industrial which kind of led into like like lords of acid and like kind of like really weird trippy strange like stuff that like kind of went a little further than what white zombie was doing on an industrial level Mm -hmm. so i was in um you know all that kind of stuff. it's still to this day i mean what do i listen to when i'm working out like yeah all that you know
0: (laughs) know? that's what that's what's getting you that's what's getting you going in the in the gym
2: Pretty much, man. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Cool. Yeah, I like that.
0: Much. I like that. Like everyone has their their gym their gym songs that they that they get into. I, I, I respect that.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. But like like um you know like before COVID hit, I was like I was on this great run. You know, I got to see Tool play on. on you know, uh, had great seats to the to their show you were there at the then, um, Staples Center. Yep, exactly. Oh, well, I was then, there. Um, I was
0: there as well. I was at one of the nights. Yeah. One of the nights I went. Yeah. We were there together. <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah. That was a hell of mean, I mean, amazing. Amazing. they put on such a show.
0: Yeah. I, I actually had the pleasure of before their new album and everything. They were, they played with Primus in San Diego in a much smaller venue. And I was able to catch him there too. I've seen tools several times and I only, only saw Primus the one time though. But like, yeah, was, he, they put on such a great show.
2: Yeah. Same with me. And then like, I was just looking at my desk and I'm like, Oh, here's a, Slayer ticket to Slayer's last show.
0: Whoa, that's pretty <laughs> cool, dude. You got to hang on to that for sure. I know. I,
2: I found it in a pocket, like of a jacket that I guess I haven't worn, in you know, whatever. Yeah,
0: <laughs> since that <Get> show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So, well, so we we have a lot of uh, similar interest in music. Another thing that I think that we have a similar interest in is uh, professional wrestling. I saw you get into the ring. With Arnold Schwarzenegger, as he uh, butchered your last name, by the way, and that was uh, H- Hogan. Uh, Hogan. Hogan butchered
2: my name. <laughs> was it Hogan who butchered? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: Arnold and I were like best friends, at, you know, at that time. Arnold Arnold wrote the f- so Arnold and I did a movie together, and um and then became like best friends. And he would call me up, and we'd go off on adventures together. And uh, he That's wrote wild. the forward for my he wrote the forward to my book, um, and then. You know, on our press tour for the movie *Sabotage* that we did together, yeah, we got we were tapped to host Monday Night's RAW at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and uh, it was with uh, Hulk Hogan also. the yeah. triumphant. Triumph Hulk Hogan. And then he
0: beat the shit out of the Miz. He, he the Miz, yeah. yeah he we tried to hit a lot you. of
2: beef with the Miz. So anytime I go to a match, Miz and I would keep keep uh, you know perpetuating our beef.
0: <laughs> the Miz is a I great have, guy I've, I've met him at a couple of award shows uh, that, we, that we've done And he's he's a really fun guy He's great man And then
2: and then Cena And then I got to know Cena You know a little bit And then actually I had like beef with Kevin Owen For a little right. while Like I would do things to distract him So people could come up and beat him up In the live show <laughs>
0: <laughs> were, you, were you a fan of wrestling before Before all of this?
2: Crazy like, yeah. yeah I mean as a kid as a kid growing up in the '80s, who wasn't? It was totally like, right. you know, the Holster brother. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, so you had the Holster, and then you had. You I know, heard you, you got a
0: really good uh uh, uh Macho Man. Uh, oh yeah, Macho
2: Man Randy Savage. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I love <laughs> Macho was like my favorite. Yeah, and then I got to meet Macho. He was in Spider Man.
0: Yeah, you guys were in that movie together. Uh, yeah, I do recall that you were the you were the bully jock in that one, uh, Flash. Well,
2: depending on how you look at it, you know, <laughs> you know uh, one side of it is I'm I am a I am a local sports hero at the high school who yeah. has a girlfriend, and here comes this uh, nerdy guy who starts hitting on my girlfriend. And what do you expect to happen? <laughs> don't don't steal my girlfriend
0: oh yeah yeah he's probably shouldn't he shouldn't have uh messed with you right but then eventually hope. he gets he gets uh you you didn't meet macho man let me correct you, you oh what's that dog yes. <laughs> what kind of dog is that that's awesome it's like it's
2: Joella Mix who uh, just loves me and sits <laughs> on my lap. Probably you know, sits on top of me probably twenty out of twenty-four hours of the day.
0: That's awesome! A nice little lap dog. Everyone needs a nice little lap dog. <laughs> <laughs> but it was Bone Saw that you that you actually met. It wasn't Macho Man.
2: Well, um, <laughs> I did talk to Macho. I did get to talk to yeah, Randy nice. in between takes. So um, yeah, because I, I knew a lot about him. He was my favorite wrestler, and uh, but he thought. So my name was Slash.
0: Thompson in the yeah. movie,
2: and, and he thought I said Slash. <laughs> so whatever I'd say, he'd go, "Oh yeah, Slash." knows "What's up, yeah?" And then, <laughs> and uh, he, had, uh, he had a he had a very pretty blonde woman with him. Was that gorgeous, who, George? Uh, n- <laughs> no, unfortunately, <laughs> it was the, it was uh, the adorable Adrian Adonis. No, okay. it was. It was this pretty blonde woman who had a bottle of lube and she would just hit the lube and just keep Randy lubed nice. up. Wow. Yeah. So I'm talking to Randy and she's just working. And yeah, just, and
0: that, that that's a job apparently that that she has. But it's but it's like one of those weird
2: things where, you know, if there's somebody else next to you or somebody's giving you a massage right now, I would be addressing both of you or talking to both of you because you're both like, you know, in the yeah. same room. She didn't look up once. She didn't acknowledge. It was like somehow she just had it. Like your job is to lube. You do not talk. Don't look up. Don't pay attention. Lube. Just lube. <laughs> That's so. Fucking I'm talking incredible. to Randy and trying to include her, and she's just she's just working. It.
0: Well, uh, let me ask you then: uh, Did you consider hiring her when you went to the set of Magic Mike? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I should have used a, a, g- a good luber on Magic Mike. That would have been uh, that, that. Yeah, that that, that probably would have <laughs> that would have made a lot of sense actually.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you know Kevin Nash before that though? Like, uh, obviously you've been like through wrestling and stuff, and he's a your your uh, uh, co uh, actor on the on the set of, of Yeah. No, Mike. I, I met Kevin there. That was how I okay. met
2: Kevin. But you know, we knew a lot of the same people, so. Kevin's a fascinating human being he's got he's got a really crazy life story and mm-hmm. that's kind of led him to where he is and just a fascinating uh, really intelligent guy I mean you could say something that sparks a memory in him and all of a sudden he's off talking about you know cubism uh, uh, for the next 20 minutes you just get a Jeez. 20 minute monologue about uh, you know some period of art. <laughs> That's history. Great.
0: That's wild. Yeah, I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, but yeah, that's that's wild. Like, uh, yeah, and that wasn't his first role, though. I mean, he was on. Uh, he played Super Shredder in uh, uh, Ninja Turtles Two.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He yeah. probably he's, hung yeah, out he's,
0: with he's, Vanilla Ice, like in the heyday. You know. <laughs> I gotta ask him about that.
2: Yeah, maybe you do, did. man. And
0: I, 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 I then come back on the show and tell me about it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. I know I love wrestlers. I love hearing all the stories. It's such a it's such a wild lifestyle. Yeah. Those guys.
0: Totally. Yeah, I'm good friends with Chris Jericho. Um become really good friends with him over the last 10 years and that guy's a wild fucking man too. Like I just Did I he Was that he reason. the did he host
2: that show Night Fight where people fight with the weapons and the armor? I don't remember that. I want to say, man, I don't know. It's possible. He's but,
0: hosted everything. I swear that he's got like two, yeah. he's got like fucking three different clones of himself. He does everything. There was everything. a show where
2: they would, they would each round was a different period of weaponry. And like guys would get in there and they would blunt the weapons, but you would fight. And so you might have like a blunted battle axe and you hit somebody in the helmet and it dents and they get knocked out or people throwing up. I mean, it was. It I was don't know. Go I'm, I'm
0: going to have to Google this because I, I, I don't remember the show at all. And I'm like, I'm very intrigued.
2: Yeah, it's 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 awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm check gonna check that out. Uh another thing though, um <clears throat> I gotta ask about that you've you know, speaking of wrestling, uh you've played uh Dungeons and Dragons with the big show. You got a you know, another couple of constant guys is uh Tom Morello and Vince Vaughn. Um what's up with the you know, I had a guest on before Brian Possein, comedian. Um I've played with Brian. You've played with Brian? Yeah. He described it so perfectly that it's like really, uh, what is it? Uh, fantasy football for nerds, like, or fantasy football rather is the is uh, is for is D and D for jocks. So it's like, and it, it, I loved how he said that. And then he was explaining to me Dungeons and Dragons because I know nothing about it. The only, the most of my knowledge is from the show community where there's like a right. master guy and everything. Like, have you? How did you manage to be in? a Dungeons and Dragons and a football guy at the same time. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Or did, or did you pick it up after, uh, after you started your acting career or was it, you know, in high school you where you're still playing Dungeons and Dragons and then, uh, captain the football team?
2: Yeah, I was, I was both always, which yeah, was confusing, but I just <laughs> went with it. Uh, no, it, it, it's it's I mean it's it's very intellectual D and D. I mean it can be very intellectual because um, there's you know numbers and probabilities and you know all that kind of stuff. But there's also a character creation side of it that I took to at a young age. I always go figure. I was right? obsessed with. <laughs> right? Well, you know, at the time I I didn't act until you know high school. So midway through high school, I just I had no interest in it whatsoever. That wasn't something I was wasn't I wanted to do. I thought about doing. It but I love stories. I love telling stories. I love creating stories. Um, whether that was with my GI Joe figures or, you know, drawing, drawing stories and characters and creating backstories and then explaining them to anybody who would sit there and look at my drawings as a kid. And this is him and this is what he does. And this is where he comes from. And then, 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 you know, not everything was a story. And so I think, um, Finding, you know, tabletop role playing as a kid, it was like, oh, you mean this is just one big giant collaborative story? And before I really knew anything about entertainment, as a kid, what I was discovering was I could be the showrunner of a TV show, you know, like Game of Thrones. I could kind of decide what's going to happen in the next chapter and what's going to happen after that. And what I think is okay. going to happen at the end of the season, what I think is going to happen after the end of next season. And I could plan all these things out and these characters are going to enter in and then they're going to go out. And then what's so fun about tabletop gaming is it's, um, you know, all modern video games came out of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So I saw that, know.
0: um, on, uh, the, there's like a, a Netflix special on, on video games that shaped us or whatever. And they go they, yeah, they they go into the original RPG games and all of those guys that were developing that were Dungeons and Dragons players.
2: Yeah, exactly. So all the games you play now, it's basically the computer or the console, you know, rolls the dice for you, mm. whether you hit or not, or you know. And back in the day we used to roll dice. And so the beauty of D D is that it's collaborative, you get together with your friends like you would for a poker game. And then you make the story. You play your character. They play their character. Big Show's his character. Vince Vaughn's his character. Tom Morello's his character. And they all take on these personas and then enter into, you know, Game of Thrones or this other fantasy world or Lord of the Rings or Middle Earth or, you know, wherever you are. And then you get to actively participate in that story. But you're going to try to do something super heroic that would be amazing. And it's all going to come down to this dice roll. (laughs) So everyone's That's around incredible. The table going yeah. yeah is it gonna work and you know and it's either yes or a no and the table erupts in the cheers or people are people like no no oh man you, oh. you know
0: okay so the way you're the way you're describing it means that i'm definitely gonna have to play at some point my it's life. so
2: much fun it's it's all the excitement of a craps table with all the shit talking and fun of your weekly poker game mm-hmm. but but uh and and, and like all of the long form narrative and storytelling and character development of Game of Thrones, and this all put together—that's
0: incredible. I, I mean, after you describing it, Brian kind of downplayed it a little bit when I asked him about it. He's like, "Oh, you should try. It, it doesn't—it doesn't take uh, any intellectual effort." And I was like, "Are you saying that I'm dumb?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, man, I don't want to get in the middle of that. <laughs>
0: um so there's a hero quest relaunch with hasbro coming out yeah. um yeah uh you have your own quest book
2: yeah so you know like i was saying before like i, I do some game design and some writing and mm-hmm. and, and um, moonlighting like you know because growing up growing up that's all i did like it's all i wanted to do mm-hmm. you know i wanted to play sports get done with my homework and then i wanted to create these stories and so as an adult i've had the opportunity to do things like that with with Dungeons and Dragons, with and now with Hero Quest, which is a completely, you know, which was a board game. It was basically like it was like D and D in a box. Yeah. Where you, you know, um, and D and D, somebody has to prepare. There's a lot of preparation that has to go into your adventure. Uh, With Hero Quest, you don't need to prep anything. You just open the lid of the box and it's all in there. So you have that might be what I have
0: it. to try first.
2: <laughs> it's a great gateway drug. Yeah. You know, and. uh, and it's also less daunting. So it's more accessible to kids also, you know, and kids really like, you know, love hero quest. And so, um, yeah, I, I knew they were, they were getting ready to relaunch and I knew the game inside and out, grew up with it. And, uh, and I said, uh, how about I design a quest book? They wanted me to do something with them. And then I suggested, Mm -hmm. why don't I just write a whole quest book for you? And, um, with new characters and new adventures. And, and, uh, they said, sure. And it was, I'm telling you, like, I'm not shitting you. It was maybe the hardest, most intensive thing I've done (laughs) with my brain in since college. probably 20 years. I mean, it was like, it was two weeks straight of every waking moment, me in front of the computer screen, just, you know, with this PowerPoint program, programming the dungeons and writing all of the descriptions yeah. and the magical items. And I mean, it was like, it took, it took me like two weeks. It was crazy.
0: Super intensive. That's insane. yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Were you, were you happy with the end product though?
2: Yeah, I think so. And they're really soaked. Like yeah. They're really, they're play testing it right now. And, and the feedback is, uh, yeah, they're very, very excited about so it. I'm gonna so I'm
0: going to have to check out your book first, right? That's, that's what I have to do. You don't want to
2: play my, my book is really difficult. My book is like a really advanced, <laughs> like hardcore, like yeah. you might die all, all over the place kind of adventure book. So you probably want to play some of the other ones first. Okay.
0: I'll play some of the other ones first and then come back. Um,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> last couple of things I got to get into. Um, I, I grew up as a huge Pee Wee fan. Um, Pee Wee Herman, uh, mm-hmm. and you were on the Big Holiday that came mm-hmm. out, was that like five years ago or something like that now? Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was it like? How did you get approached for that role? And, and what was it like being with Pee Wee? Because like I said, I mean, we you grew up through the 80s too. You had to grow up with some Pee Wee.
2: For sure. Um, I I was a huge Pee Wee fan, and I was on uh, True Blood that mm-hmm. was on HBO, and HBO would always throw the best Emmy and Golden Globe parties like the always so you always want to go to the HBO party right, that, I'm going to write one,
0: that down in case I ever get invited that's the one I'm going to
2: yeah exactly <laughs> and um, and Paul Rubens had just done the Pee Wee revival on Broadway and did a special and he was nominated for an Emmy f- f- for, for his special on HBO so okay. he was at the party and I saw him across the room, and I just went up to him and said, "Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a huge fan of yours." He goes, "Oh yeah, you're like that werewolf on that vampire show, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> That's
0: a good impression, impression right there.
2: <laughs> like he's like, "You think, um, you think they put me on that show?" And I was like, "I don't know. I could call and ask. And he was <laughs> like, "Okay, great." <laughs> you know, he's so funny. You know? <laughs> like first thing I was, yeah. so I'm like, um, and then at the time, Tim Burton, Tim Burton had an art exhibit up at the LA art museum, LACMA, mm. and uh, and I said to Paul, I said, have you seen that Tim Burton art exhibit? And he mm. said, no, I haven't. Everybody tells me I should go see it. And I was like, do you want to, mm. I don't know, you want to go see it together? And he was like, all right, here's my card, call me. And I was like, all right. So I called Paul and we went to the the LACMA Tim Burton art exhibit together. And Paul, like, you know, Paul gave Tim Burton, his start, like his first feature was Pee Wee's Big Adventure.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible and, and movie. Paul like
2: Paul like fought the studio to ma- to to get Tim Burton hired. Oh, I didn't realize so, that. So and and so he had all these stories about all the movies and Tim and Jack Nicholson and I mean it just went. It was so he was, was always like telling me pull pull the headset off. He had the little virtual tour. I'm like yeah. Then he would tell me some crazy story about hollywood and then afterwards he's like what are you doing i'm like i don't know i'm gonna get something to eat he's like do you want to come over and hang out at my house like, <laughs> this is in my brain amazing. i'm like in my brain i'm just picturing like fun house sherry. are you
0: looking for the fun house yeah, yeah. <laughs> TV out
2: sherry and zombie and I'm a zombie and i'm like
0: yeah, yeah maybe the know, mailman know, stops by and says the word of the day <laughs> yeah sure I
2: was like, yeah all right <laughs> so i went up to went up to paul's house and hey, and hung out just like became friends, man. And, um, you know, Paul was at my wedding and Paul's been over for Thanksgiving and, you know, Paul's like part wow. of the family. So, um, along the way, Paul called me and he said, um, I've been planning Pee Wee's comeback movie for like 25 years. Something. Yeah. And he said, uh, it's not ready yet, but just know that one of these days I'm going to call you and I'm going to ask you to 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 play a part in it. And I said, "Great!" I said, "I'm ready." <laughs> said, okay, okay, great. So about a year later, he called me and said, "Hey, it's set up at Netflix. Jed Appertow producing, and I want you to play Pee Wee's best friend in the movie." So that, <laughs> so <rad. laughs> I was like, uh, "Okay." I- I'm in. He's like, no, no, no. Why don't you I want you to read it first? You gotta read it first. I'm like all right, all right but I'm gonna do it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Whatever.
0: And were you pleasantly surprised when you read that uh, read oh your Oh my god,
2: role? I was I was in a hotel room in Miami, I think, on a press tour and I was with Sophia at the time. We were we we just started dating or something, mm-hmm. I think. And uh or we just got engaged or something, and I was laughing like so hard like out loud screaming and, and and she kept walking in the room going oh my god what are you doing and i'm like i'm reading this pv herman script it's so funny it's insane so <laughs> uh i loved it you know i mean it's scary obviously rebooting there's so many reboots that have gone wrong yeah so happen. many kind of that
0: shouldn't have happened so many years ruined later. Yeah.
2: and you know you just kind of you get bumped and yeah. um And this was one of those where it was like, man, this is this is scary because all I want is is to do right by Pee-Wee and have make a great pee wee movie, but man, it is it's really hard to pull off a reboot. And I was so happy with how it came out. I couldn't believe it. It was like I I would agree. The way
0: that it came out was super good. It was still, you know, it's it kept it kept the story going, I guess, in a way, but it was like It was so tongue in cheek, like, like a lot of sarcasm and like, and of course, like young kids aren't going to be watching Pee Wee's big holiday. You know, it's, it's all us older kids that want to rewatch it. So there's a lot of that humor in there, which is fucking great.
2: Yeah, no, I thought it did such a great job. um, You know, and, and, and uh, I was so happy because like I said, I was, you get so nervous because like all you want is, is for this to go right, you know, and, 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 uh, and I was so happy. (laughs) <laughs> and
0: it, it went really good i remember watching that and i was like this is fucking awesome um but it's
2: surreal yeah very surreal
0: yeah i'm sure uh, i love i love the sharing the, the stories with uh meeting paul as well um that's that's super fun um let's get back to the movie though that's coming out december 11th arch enemy uh you uh as we talked about your producer on it and then you guys did this kind of startup thing with uh legion m you want to tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that like uh Uh, I know that they did that with uh, Jay and Silent Bob's reboot and a few Nick... Which I was also in. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, is that where you got to know from Legion M? Or, you know, because it's it's, it's kind of this new way of getting fans to get the movies they want, right?
2: Yeah, Legion M is a really interesting company. For people that don't know, it's a fan-owned movie studio, Mm -hmm. basically. And uh, you join Legion M... And your dues go into you actually being part of the team that produces a film. So for example, they do all these like fun giveaways. Like when we were shooting Arch Enemy, they would um, do raffles for set visits. So while okay. we're shooting, there would actually be Legion M members who are just, you know, civilians who are part of the Legion M army who have given, you know, to the company and they're now part of the company. Now you're technically part of a, you're a your producer on the film, you know yeah. the whole, you know at bar, you know everybody is. So it's kind of like buying stocks, but the stocks get you into producing these films with Legion M that are really fun ones, like you said, it's you know Kevin Smith movies and you know this this new movie Arch Enemy. So I met Legion M because because I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. So <laughs> you, you owe a lot to
0: Dungeons and Dragons here, man.
2: You have no idea that you have no idea how many movies I've shot, or TV shows, or animated shows, or whatever has happened because of my relationships out of D and D. It's That's it's amazing. like a mafioso kind of secret society thing. It's really crazy.
0: Oh, so, so um, what do I have to do to
2: get in? You got you got to make a character, bro. You got to get, <laughs> get
0: in. All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a character. <laughs>
2: But I, met, uh, but I met Legion M, I was playing Dungeons & Dragons on the, every year on the birthday of the guy who invented Dungeons & Dragons. His son does, his son plays, you know, mm-hmm. like, or does like an event. And so I got invited to this event to play with the son of this guy, Luke Gygax, whose uh, father was Gary Gygax, who created D&D. And sitting next to me was this guy, David Baxter, playing D&D with me on camera. and. Uh, he knew about my streetwear line death saves Mm -hmm. and he had, he was Legion M had helped produce a film called Mandy, which is like my favorite movie of the past 20 years.
0: Okay. I'm not familiar.
2: And, uh, I'll have to check it out. You know, I I was interested in maybe doing some merch for Mandy through Death Saves, and I became I saw the movie. You know, he sent me an early link to the film. I saw it. Mandy's the greatest. Like tonight, like go, turn off the lights, turn the sound up, and watch Mandy. Okay, it's it'll you'll love it.
0: Okay, I'm 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 you'll, into it. I like the recommendation.
2: And um, and so I saw Mandy, became obsessed with Mandy. And then like became friends with the director of Mandy and then became friends with like all the producers of Mandy. And that's how, how like I got to know Elijah's company, SpectraVision. Okay. And he has a company um, with this writer named Daniel Noah, a woman named Lisa Whalen. And Lisa, like a year later, sent me a script for Arch Enemy. And so it's it, that's crazy. And it all goes
0: it. back to D&D.
2: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Legion M then I became friends with this guy from Legion M, David Baxter. And uh, at the Jane Silent Bob premiere, mm-hmm. he had heard, he said, Are you're the one doing Arch Enemy? I said, yeah. He said, I read that script a long time ago and I flipped out over it and like, Oh my God, you're perfect for it. Holy, this is incredible.
1: Oh my God, you're going to play in that
2: character. Why? You know, well, Legion M, like, I'm going to go talk to them, but like, we're going to want to come in and, and give money and, and help produce. And I said, great. So that's, yeah. that's how that all happened. Like I, I wound up being cast, you know, or getting the strip for Arch Enemy from Spectre Vision and the largest company. I loved it. Said I'd do it. Was also in the Kevin Smith movie, Jay and Silent Bob yeah. reboot. And then ran into this guy from Legion M at the premiere, and that's how Legion M came on board.
0: Uh, it's incredible. Uh, see, I like yeah. those uh, those natural stories too, where it wasn't like a bunch of paperwork and everything. You know, it was it was through real connections, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. The other the other thing you said uh, you have death saves. And you've been drinking your uh, liquid death. Uh, oh, yeah. So what yeah, is it with death. you and death, man? Like like everything. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. You sent us some water. I went through it all, by the way, before this. Uh, you sent it to us a few months ago. Sent, sent over some liquid death.
2: So good. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Um, I don't know what it is, man. I guess it's like, you know, there's people that are like, Carpe Diem, seize the day. And... I've always been like the memento mori kind of guy, I guess, which is, you know, um, you know, one day we're all going to die. So live your life to the fullest. And, you know, if you always wanted a blue mohawk, but never got around to it and it's eating away at you into your middle age, um,
0: (laughs) sometimes there's there's a chance to go for it, you know?
2: Go get that mohawk, man. You know? <laughs> and and so I guess that's that's to me, that's probably what, you know, all the skulls. I think when you really boil it down, that's what the the skull thing's about. It's just, it's just a reminder of like mortality, man. You know? We're, we're all renting these shells and we're gonna have to give them back at some point. So yeah. in the meantime, let's let's just go have, have some, some fun, fun and
0: fun with it, right? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. Um so yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Uh We'll wrap up by uh asking, you were almost cast as Superman. Are you still are you still a little pissed off that you didn't that you didn't get that role? I don't like to
2: really dwell on stuff that didn't <laughs> happen, you know. Um well, that goes because, back to the
0: death thing, right? You know, yeah. You gotta have fun way. Well,
2: there. I mean, but it was also if you really draw a line, you know, it was that was how I met Zack Snyder. Yeah. Through that process. Zach Zach loved True Blood. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up on True Blood, uh, you know, he wanted to meet me. And so I, yeah, I couldn't do that movie. But, yeah. um, but you know, Zach came back around and called yeah. me and said, you know, I, I want you to meet Ben Affleck. And that's how I met Ben. And that's how I got cast uh, as Deathstroke in Ben's Batman movie. Was was through basically through the um, you know, Zach vouched for me, yeah. And uh, so That's of course, cool. that movie didn't happen, but um, Zach and I have all kinds of fun stuff coming up, um, you know, so so we've got some fun projects that are that are in the works. So I love it, it was something that you know, we we just because of circumstances and my contract of true blood, like you know, there was just no way that situation was gonna happen. So there's nothing for me to get pissed off about because it's yeah, like, totally what can you do? You know what I mean? I was signed for six years on a, on a TV show and you know, I, I, that's, that's, that was my job. Yeah. And, um, but he never forgot. And I, so I have to really give him you know, props for that because as the years went on, he, we couldn't work together then, but he, he was, he kept, you know, kept at it and and here we are. And now we've got some really, really cool fun stuff uh, on the way.
0: Is there anything you can tell us about what you got coming on the way with Zach? (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: All right, we'll just have to keep watching. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> okay, thanks again yeah, so much for here. being here, man.
0: I really appreciate you being on, and you're the season two finale of Drinks with Johnny. Well, I'm going to take a break for the holidays. Yeah, uh, what what are your holidays looking like this year? I know it's pandemic, everything like that. What are you guys going to be doing for Thanksgiving this year?
2: Probably COVID testing everyone. Yeah, to come meet turkey at a separate table <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, probably something in there's that. gonna be some
0: odd holiday pictures for for the future right
2: well well yeah but i mean i but i've i mean man i've been ruining the holiday pictures for years now you know this year this year's <laughs> gonna be bald with a huge goatee uh, no actually i might i probably still have the mohawk so i'll have the and I'll probably freshen it up, maybe with a fresh color for Thanksgiving, maybe like some orange. some there like you pumpkin
0: go, orange, <laughs> I like it.
2: Yeah, festive. <laughs> and uh, last year, I had a big homeless beard for Arch Enemy, a huge homeless beard. For the role of Max hair.
0: Fist in Arch Enemy coming to everyone December 11th. Yeah, and the year before that,
2: I had a big Lemmy Killmeister handlebar mustache oh, with a big is- giant ponytail for shoplifters. That's for sick. the, the Smiths yeah. to me. So every year I just. And that's always been the
0: holidays. How does your wife, Sophia, put up with that, man? God bless
1: her. I mean, you know what I mean? I, she's got to put up with it. <laughs>
0: well, she's stuck now, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, man. Thanks again, everyone. You can follow Joe Maganello, obviously, on Instagram and probably Twitter and Facebook and all those places at Joe Maganello. Thank you again so much. And everyone, go check out Arch Enemy coming December 11th with my new friend, Joe Maganello, as Max Fist, an amazing character by the looks of the trailer. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Thanks for sticking through this entire season with me. And thanks to Joe Manganiello for putting a proper bow on it. I had a great conversation with him. Make sure you guys go check out his new movie, Arch Enemy. It's going to be such a great movie. I I just know it. Um, After having this conversation with with him about it and hearing the passion that he has behind it and everything you know it it just seems like it's going to be such a great movie the premise go check out the trailer right now and get jazzed up for it as i will be um again thank you guys so much for this season of drinks with johnny i am going to continue to bring you guys stuff but um in the meantime i just want to thank you so much for your support of the show i'm having a blast with this i'm making a lot of new friends and even better i'm learning so much from doing this show i honestly am and i really appreciate your guys' support so head over to drinkswithjohnny.com. Show your support there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Show, you know, leave us some comments. Who do you want to see on season three? Leave, you know, whoever it is. I, I'll, I'll read it all. <laughs> I have a team here that we uh, that we, we work really closely with um, getting uh, Drinks With Johnny to you guys. So leave comments, reviews, everything like that everywhere. Subscribing to the podcast, the YouTube channel, following us everywhere. Going to drinkswithjohnny.com repping some merch it all helps us to continue to do this and again i thank you for that support i'm having so much fun doing this so please continue that on and be just part of this uh, filthy animal crew that we got going here um and again uh i'm going to continue to bring you guys new episodes right here on the podcast each and every week there are going to be some uh live things that you probably haven't heard here if you're only subscribed to the podcast so make sure you go over to the live ones you can see the video to it And then listen to the podcast where I'm going to give you a little bit of insight every single week about that conversation I had. I'm going to listen back to them and give you some news updates and have a little chat about it before and after I give you that. Um, (laughs) So that's my spiel for this week. And happy holidays to all of you, however you're going to celebrate it this year. I know it's going to probably look a little different, but uh, I hope you have a very wonderful holiday. And we'll see you all back here each and every week with new guests in February of 2021. So until the next time, cheers. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS.
1: It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure.
2: Yeah! Yeah!
1: The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMNS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snider and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and -and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris makes a podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts and new episodes come out every Monday.